Hey, Katie. Hello, Ben. Shall we talk about loans today? Oh, like loaning people money? Yeah. Sure. Turns out there's actually a lot of machine learning that goes into deciding who gets a loan. Awesome. You are listening to Loanier Digression. Ugh. So bad. He's here all week, folks. Yeah. No, we should call it Gronier Digressions with my intros. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> okay. So, um... Yeah, let's talk about loans. Uh, you said you wanted to talk about loans. Yeah, well, so what I really want to talk about is discrimination in machine learning models. And I think loans mm. are a, a really good sort of test case for thinking about this. Because we, we there really is a lot of modeling that goes into loan approvals. But they also have really big uh, social implications. So depending on whether you're able to get a loan, that can affect whether you're able to buy a house, whether you're able to live in a neighborhood where your kids can go to a good school, you know, whether you're able to get a car so that you can drive to a good job. You know, it's one of these things that's really right. can have a big impact on someone's quality of life. Yeah, it's exactly the thing that could perpetuate or uh, increase a positive feedback loop. Right. And so, but since there's a lot of modeling that goes on uh, on the side of basically credit bureaus and and then the lenders who use those credit scores, what those credit scores are supposed to encode basically is how likely someone is to pay up on their debts, to, to be good on their financial obligations. And as you might imagine, there's all kinds of thorny social issues that can feed into answering those questions as well and that can make those models a little bit problematic. And so that's why I'm talking about loans in the context of discrimination, because if you have certain types of protected, well, we'll call them protected attributes is, is one of the sort of legal ways of saying it. Things like race, gender, uh, religion, and then all the stuff that you can think of that, that might be correlated with that. These are things that we, we don't want to discriminate against people on the basis of race. We don't want to discriminate against people on the basis of gender. Uh, but at the same time, they're can be differences in the, let's say, the rate at which people pay back loans. And that rate is, those differences are correlated with race. And so if you're not careful, depending on the data that you use to to build the models that underlie credit scores, you could have those credit scores end up being sort of discriminatory in a way that disfavors people of a certain race. And that's troublesome. And we want to think about that very carefully. Okay, so then how do we formulate this in kind of a mathematical way? So you've got uh, all of your people in your population, you've got a bunch of attributes about them, and, and probably one of the most important is the user's credit score, right? Uh, and then you want to set a loan threshold where let's say anyone who has above a credit score of some number, you want to approve a loan. And if, it has, if they have a credit score below that number, you want to deny them the loan. And because we're talking about a real world scenario, there are going to be some people who have a credit score above whatever your threshold is, who will end up not paying back that loan, which is bad for you. But then there are also going to be people on the other side of it, who no matter what you set that threshold to, there will be people who have a lower credit score who actually will pay back the loan. And that's good for you. And so in a sense, this is kind of a No, that's bad for you, right? If you don't- If they pay back. Well, but if you don't make them a loan- then oh. you don't get the money from you know selling them a mortgage, basically. So you don't want to make that mistake either, right? right? You don't want to place your threshold too low um, because then, yeah, you're going to make uh, loans to people who can't pay them back, but you don't want to place it so high that you're 
leaving lots of, you know, good credit worthy people out in the cold with right. respect to whether they can buy a house or not. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of an optimization problem where you're trying to find that sweet spot. Um, but if you have two populations and there's some there's some uh, correlation with one population having a higher credit score or paying back or not paying back, then like some uh, kind of a naive implementation where you're not considering non-discrimination, you could maximize your profit by discriminating based on population, which obviously gets you the most money, but is totally a bad thing to do. Yeah, so to be concrete about the two populations, let's imagine that everyone everyone that you're looking at to make a loan to, we can sort them into one of two buckets. They can be blue people or they can be orange people. And I am stealing this example almost entirely from the excellent, excellent write-up that, um, that Google made available because um, there were some Google researchers who actually did this research and they made a really nice graphic that helps you understand this because this starts to get very complicated very quickly. And I think in order to really understand it, it helps a lot to go in and, and play with this website. We will, of Definitely. course, have a link. Yes. Highly, highly recommend it. I have it sitting in front of me right now, <laughs> so I can continue <laughs> to understand it. Yeah. So they split the world into blue people and orange people. But you know, these can be any, they can be different genders, they can be different races. It's any kind of splitting that could make you a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and so the idea is that there there can be real differences in these two populations. Um, so maybe let's say for orange people, you have a lot more data on orange people. And so you're able to build a, a better classifier for them and you're able to get them right a little bit more often. With blue people, you don't have as much data um, again, in some way that correlates with a with this attribute of them being blue, and you don't want to make a decision based on the fact that just that they're blue, but the simple truth of it is that blue people, you know, you have a little bit more trouble trying to decide whether they're going to default on their loan or not. Depending on exactly how you want to place the thresholds in these two populations, yeah, you can end up with different kinds of problems. So the first one that you mentioned, max profit, is let's not try to do anything, let's not try to be fair about it, so to speak, quote unquote. Uh, what I'm trying to do is just make as much money as possible. And so let's attach a couple numbers to this. We'll say every time that I am able to sell a loan to someone who pays me back, I make $300. If I sell a loan to someone who doesn't pay me back, I lose $700. And mm-hmm. then based on the details of exactly how the uh, credit score distributions of these two populations are and where the where the people are who actually will pay me back and the people who won't, then you know there's some threshold that I can find for each of these populations. The thresholds are in different places for the two populations, um, and those thresholds will maximize my profit. And so what I've effectively done here is I've said that for the blue population, in this example, you need to have a higher credit score in order to be approved for a loan with me. Um, so because I don't have a particularly good model of who my blue people are, I have trouble you know, telling whether you're going to default or not, then the way that shakes out with the math is that you need to have a credit score of, on a scale of zero to a hundred, uh, a credit score of 61, whereas for the orange people, you only need it to be 50. And so, you know, obviously it's easier to get a credit score of 50 than it is of 61. And if you're in the blue population, mm-hmm. then you have a very, you know, a legitimate complaint here that you're being held to a higher standard. Yeah, my neighbor who had a credit score of 50 got a loan. I have a credit score of 58 and I didn't get a loan. What gives? What gives? Yeah. 
Um, but for me as a lender, this is the thing that maximizes my profit. So you can see how, uh, you know, there's some, there's some allure of, of doing things that way. But let's say we're trying to be a little bit more equitable than this, and we're willing to leave a little bit of money on the table if it means that people are treated fundamentally fairly. So what are some of the other options that are on the table? Well, I imagine, uh, so to me, I, I just think, okay, what if we find the number, uh, the credit score number, the loan threshold, which if we set it the same for the blue population and for the orange population, we would end up with uh, the maximal profit, right? Right. So yes, I can put the thresholds any places that I want, but they have to move together. So exactly. If so blue I don't is want at fifty five, then orange is exactly. at fifty five. Yes. All blue people, all orange people get the same loan threshold. Right. So you can run into trouble here as well. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. So let's look in particular at the people who are actually going to pay back my loan. Um, and of course, for a person who I'm making a prediction for in the future, I don't know this yet because it hasn't happened. Um, but for the training data set, then I, I do have um, this information. So I do have this information of who I would have approved for a loan, and I have this information of whether they actually defaulted on their loan or not because I have some historical data or whatever. Mm -hmm. So of just the people who do pay back their loan, with this particular example, I have uh, a true positive rate, the percentage of the people who will pay back their their loans who I actually approve for the loan. For orange, that's at 60%, but at blue, it's at 80%. Okay, so, and yeah. let, let me just make sure I get this right. So my loan threshold, so on this website, you can click on this thing, that this button that says group unaware, and it sets the loan threshold to 55 for blue and 55 for orange, which means that of all of the people in the blue population and all of the people in the orange population, I'm setting that loan threshold uh, irrespective of the two groups independently. I'm looking at everybody together. Uh, but this true positive rate is not looking at all of the people in the blue group and all of the people in the orange group. It's looking at the the percentage of paying applications getting loans. So the percentage of people who, who pay getting loans. And in this case, it looks like uh, what you were saying, the orange people, you have a rate of 60% and a, a blue people, you have a rate of 81%. So although I'm not discriminating with respect to the entire population, I still am kind of discriminating in a way with respect to the, the population, the orange population and blue population who will end up paying back their loan. Yeah. Um, another way that, you know, another way that you can slice and dice this data is how many people overall from the two populations are getting loans. And again, because of the distributions that I happen to have, I have something like 52% of the blue people are getting loans. Um, and then some of them are, some of them are people who don't pay them back, but most of them are people who do. Um, but only 30% of the orange people are getting loans. So even mm. though we have the threshold in the same place, because the orange distribution tends to skew, it, it it's not even totally clear to me that it skews very much lower. It's just that it's distributed differently. Um, mm. And so even though I've placed the threshold in the same place, I still have a lot of people who, uh, who would be paying back the, their loans, but I haven't approved them. And obviously oh, wow. that's a problem. Okay, so so just to reframe this one more time, although I'm not discriminating with respect to the entire population at a whole, I am discriminating in two ways, both discriminating based on the people who will end up paying back their loans of the, the people who get them, 
and also I'm discriminating based on the percentage of the people in both groups that end up getting loans in the first place, whether or not they pay them back. I think that's right. But again, it starts to get so complicated. <laughs> and again, and like, what do we mean by discrimination here? So we're being very, you're right, we, yeah. yeah, yeah. We say that just the rates at which you're being approved in the two different populations are different. And nominally, we don't, we don't want to care about which of the two distributions you're in. But obviously, mm-hmm. it does make a difference because you're going to be approved at different rates. So then we can talk about, we say, all right, if we think it's a problem that 50% of blue people are being approved for a loan, but only 30% of orange people are being approved for a loan, then what if we use what's called demographic parity, which is another sort of heuristic for where we can place these thresholds. And demographic parity says that whatever percentage of people get loans, it should be the same in these two groups. So if it's 25% of blue people, then it should be 25% of orange people um, or mm. 50% or whatever number it is. And because those two populations are distributed, the distribution looks a little bit different. Your loan threshold in terms of the credit score yeah, that you're so, judging by? Yeah, so then the thresholds will be different. Right. Uh, so you have, you're back to that first situation where you have you know, a threshold of, 52 in this case for the orange population and 60 for the blue population. So, you know, the the blue population might have a legitimate complaint about having to reach a higher score, but mm-hmm. because you have more people in the blue population who are above that score, then you end up still getting the same percentages of people who fall on either side of the threshold in the two populations. Right. So if somebody comes to you with a complaint, you can say, hey, I'm doing my best because of the blue people and the orange people, I'm giving out the the I'm I'm giving the same the same percentage of the population approvals for loans. That's right. That's right. The place here that this is not particularly great, like one of the problems that that you still have in this situation is that you're only looking at keeping the populations of people who are approved in the two populations the same overall. So I say whether you're in the blue group or the orange group, I don't care whether you actually are going to pay back the loan or not. I just have to have the same overall number uh, or percentage, I guess, of people that I'm approving. So let's say I built a really, really terrible classifier for the orange people. And as it happens, all the people with high credit scores are people who don't pay back their loans. Um, This isn't the example that they walk through in, in the Google widget, but you can see how in that case, you know, I might have 25% of my orange people who are getting approved. And then by this standard, I'm like, oh, hey, that's really great. But as it turns out, it's 25% of people who are never going to be repaying their loans. And all the people who are going to be repaying their loans um, are getting denied. Well, that's that's not a great situation. Right. I see. So, so yeah, it's guaranteeing that you have the same approval rate, but that approval rate is kind of blind with respect to whether people are actually going to be paying back their loans or not. So yeah, you're not thinking about actually the profitability anymore. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm a responsible person, um, who, again, I, if I'm a responsible person who is going to pay back my loan, then I want to think that I'm going to be approved regardless of which one of these two groups I'm in. And again, that's not really the case here because that's not the thing that we're trying to but it's not the thing that we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve the same approval rate in the two groups and, and not approval rate conditional on the fact that I am going to pay back my loan. Which so brings us is, to the last one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to phrase this question. Is there a way then to decide who gets approved for a loan not based off of all of the population, 
but based off of the population that tends to pay back their loan. Yeah, it's just as simple as what you just said. So they call this equal opportunity. And the idea is you have the same fractions of blue and orange loans are going to people in those groups who can pay them off. So in other words, if I'm a responsible and creditworthy person who will pay back my group or who will pay back my loan, then it doesn't matter which of the two groups I'm in, I have the same likelihood of being approved for my loan. And additionally, this is positive as a uh, loaning organization that it probably will be more profitable than the group unaware, which is just setting the thresholds at the same, regardless of what group it is. Yeah, so with this heuristic, you're taking a little bit of a hit with respect to max profit. Like max profit is still always gonna be the thing that gets you the most money. But equal opportunity usually doesn't do too badly for you. Uh, Like you could do worse than equal opportunity. Again, equal opportunity is this thing that keeps the true positive rate between the two groups the same. And again, I I think it's something in terms of our intuitive understanding of what discrimination looks like. I think this is actually not the worst compromise you could come up with. Um, again, we're saying that if you are responsible and you're going to pay back your loan, then you have the same chance of being approved, regardless of what your status is with, with respect to whatever protected attribute, blue or orange, white, African-American, Asian, male, female, all you know, all these things. Artist, non-artist? <laughs> Yeah, so another way, the way that they phrase this in the, there's actually a sort of a academic paper that you can read as well. And I spent a a few hours this weekend trying to understand all the details of that with mixed success. Um, But the way that you would say this in sort of math speak is that the, um, the predictions that you make, like whether to approve someone for a loan or not, and the protected attribute, so whatever you know, race or gender or whatever, the thing that you don't want to be discriminatory about. So your predictions and your protected attributes are independent of each other, conditional on the true status of whether you're, um, the the true status of the dependent variable, the thing that you're trying to predict. So conditional on whether you will actually pay back the loan, then the prediction that I make and your protected status should be independent of each other. That's another way of saying the same thing. So conceptually, this seems really neat, and um, but it, it does kind of raise the question for me of how useful is this actually? Yeah, that's a really important question. I think it's actually extremely useful. The first reason why is because this is an algorithm that's all about figuring out where to place thresholds on credit scores, basically, or scores that could come out of any supervised classification model. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that if you want to use this method, it, you don't have to change anything about the models that you're using. Like, let's say you have some random forest model and you really like it and it's super finely tuned and you don't want to go in and like change the way that the model is actually running. You just want to have a post-processing step that tells you how to make decisions based on the outcome of that model. This algorithm is sort of perfectly suited for that. You can add it as a post-processing step to sort of any upstream model. And that also means that if you are not the person who builds and maintains that model, you just use the outputs of that model to make decisions. That's fine too. You can just, it just tells you where to place your cutoffs and not having access to the model itself is not a deal breaker. However, the second thing that's cool about it is that if you do have access to that model, 
the way that this is constructed, you will make more money by having more certainty about the predictions that you make. Um, so in other words, you'll do better if you have a stronger classifier, one that's more reliably able to distinguish who's going to pay back your loans from who doesn't. And so if, for example, you're having some challenge with orange people because you don't have as much data on them, and so your model isn't that good, then you'll end up making more money if you're able to go out and let's say collect some more data, you build a better model, one that somehow is now better able to distinguish for orange people whether they're going to pay back their loan or not. And so the incentive that you have here, if you're the person who's running those models, is to make the models as high quality as possible. And if those models are, are struggling to distinguish whether people are going to be paying back their loans or not in certain, let's say, racial minorities or something like that, if, if your model just isn't doing very well for some of your minority classes, then you'll make more money with this algorithm if you go out and you fix up your models and you have more certain higher quality predictions about their credit scores. And so that's good too, because it incentivizes you to do a good job modeling all of your different classes and not just like the majorities, the ones that, that are easy or that are most of your are most of your income anyway. You can still continue to make more money if you have good um, good models for all of your different classes. One more time, the website that Google put together for this research is really fantastic. And um, if you're interested in the stuff, or if you want to see what we've been talking about visually, and it definitely does help, check out the link on our site to get you there and um, click the buttons and drag the little black bars. And Alternatively, the way that you can find this through Google itself, uh, this is the research.google.com page. Um, you can also Google for attacking discrimination with smarter machine learning, and that will take you to the widget that you can play around with all the different threshold finders. And you can also um, link to the academic paper as well, if that's something that you're interested in. So for yes, the deep dive. <laughs> yes, for sure. I think this is one of those things that really lands when you're able to see the visuals, which unfortunately sometimes for us as a podcast is not always possible with just our voices, but, um, but yeah, it really does start to make a lot more sense. So highly recommended to go play around with that and then, and then take it and go make the world a better place with machine learning. Linear Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.